Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warriors Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai for 31 years. What a busy week I had this week. Did 14 surgeries, six of them yesterday. Five of them were knee replacements. Can you imagine so many of them in a row? And then one rotator cuff. The rotator cuff patient was fascinating. Her shoulder hurts so much, which often is the case, that you stop moving your shoulder. And that creates a vicious cycle because if you don't move your shoulder, it freezes up, literally. We call it a frozen shoulder. The fancy word is called adhesive capsulitis. The clapper vision is it's almost like vacuum packing uh, french fries. Clapper in a plastic bag you put in the freezer or broccoli you suck all the air out tightens around the broccoli that's what happens to your shoulder if you don't move it because it hurts so much very interesting but you better take care of the reason for the problem rather than just break up the adhesions because otherwise it'll come back but five knee replacements in a row i didn't do any hip surgery on friday did a bunch on wednesday but I'm tired, but I couldn't wait to wake up to be with you all each and every Saturday like this morning. And what a great show we have planned. My guest at 8.15 is a bright and shining new star at Cedars, Dr. Max Mahalski. He's an orthopedic surgeon who specializes in foot and ankle problems. And I met Max when he was still in college. And now 10 years later, I'm so proud he's come back to Cedars to lead us into the future for new technology for foot and ankle injuries. And I saw Max and I said, what is it that you're most fascinated with by, you know, at this point? And he said, I'm falling in love with the whole idea of that foot fracture that Kevin Durant got, that Pau Gasol got, that the Lopez brothers got. It's called a Jones fracture. And he'll explain why it's called a Jones fracture but in essence, it's a fracture in one of the 26 bones that make up your foot. It's the long bone that attaches your pinky toe to the mid portion of your foot. It's a long bone called the fifth metatarsal. Here's the clapper vision. It looks like a yellow pencil. And the fracture always occurs where the eraser and that metal ring attaches to the yellow wooden pencil it breaks there every single time so i asked max why does it break there every single time why that location and he said it's because right where that metal ring is that attaches the the eraser to the pencil is where all the ligaments grip the bone 
The tip of the pencil, the shaft of the pencil, does not have that many attachments, so it's much more mobile. So the fixation of the pencil, of the fifth metatarsal, to the mainframe of the foot is at that end where the eraser and that metal ring is. So when there is any kind of stress to the bone, it's right above where that grip is of the bone to the rest of the foot. Fascinating. And it made me think all week. You know how much I love the world of art, the world of sports, and the world of surgery, and I believe they're all connected. Where in art do we see the Jones fracture, that breaking point? Where in sports do we see that grip and then everything break above the grip? Well, in art, Michelangelo sculpted the David 17 feet high, three times the size of an average man. It's a massive sculpture, vertical, but he was smart to anchor this vertically standing man, David, by sculpting a small tree stump right at the ankles of the statue of David. It's as though the main portion of the stone is gripping David at his ankles. Well, guess what happens if there's an earthquake? Guess what happens after 500 years of foot traffic microscopically vibrating the sculpture? The David will break. And guess what has happened? Forest Lawn Cemetery, the Glendale campus and the Cypress campus over the years has made six different replicas of the 17-foot-tall David that's in Florence that Michelangelo sculpted. These are replicas made by other sculptors with the same material Michelangelo used, Carrara marble. But guess what? They ain't Michelangelo. And after the Silmar earthquake, the Whittier earthquake, and most recently the Northridge earthquake, and even this year, I forgot the name of the earthquake they called it this year. Every one of these replica Davids has snapped like a Jones fracture right above the ankle of these, of these replicas. And you're going to hear in a minute the whole story. It's fascinating. Well, where in sports do we see that tight grip and the break occur right above the grip? Well, the greatest pitcher of all time the only unanimous voted in hall of fame pitcher from the new york yankees mariano rivera was the best at throwing a particular pitch called the cutter it's a fastball but it moves in on the batter and that ball doesn't let the batter hit the ball at the sweet spot the barrel of the bat because of the movement of the cutter pitch, and nobody threw it better than Mariano Rivera, it breaks bats. In 2001, Mariano Rivera broke 44 bats. When he retired as a commemoration, they took those 44 bats and made a rocking chair and gave it to him as a present. In 1999, Ryan Klesko, of the Atlanta Braves playing the Yankees in the World Series at a single at-bat. Mariano Rivera pitching to him, he broke, he broke three bats in a single at-bat because of the cutter pitch.
Wait till you hear this story. That's the Jones fracture in art and in sports. And don't forget, we're going to do some clap revision. I want to talk about Goran Dragic's plantar fascia tear. The clap revision will be a bow and arrow, and we'll get into it later. The clinic will be open. The number is 877710ESPN. But let's get right into the story of the Jones fracture in art, where all the stress is in one spot. It's a breaking point because the grip of the figure that Michelangelo sculpted is held to the pedestal by a tree stump he carves in marble so that this statue doesn't topple over. But his skill set was so great that when other sculptors try to copy him, they just can't match what he does. Let's listen to this fascinating story of sculptors trying to copy Michelangelo by trying to make the David. Looks like the David, feels like the David, but it ain't no David compared to the master. Steve Paulette, let's go to Michelangelo uh, soundbites. Let's go to number six first. It's Michelangelo's statue of David, and it is in danger of collapsing due to the ankles. Six. Who would have thought? Italian researchers are worried that Michelangelo's statue of I David may be in danger of collapsing due to weak ankles. So experts have long been concerned that the marble statue, which is now roughly 500 years old, has long stood as one of history's most triumphant achievements in art. But it may have suffered structural damage. And what do you expect? Let's go to number seven. It's been in an area that's been highly trafficked in museums for a very long time. Thousands of people visit the statue, and over the course of hundreds of years, those footsteps alone are going to take a toll. Not to mention the fact that nearby traffic in the rumble, the subsonic rumble coming from the traffic, can cause a lot of disruption to these statues. You don't think about it on a day-to-day -day basis, but when you have it on a long enough time scale, this can cause serious damage to works of art like this one. And number eight? So the relatively poor quality of the marble that was used to sculpt David is thought to have played a part in the present troubles as well. For hundreds of years, it was displays out, displayed outdoors and sometimes at a slight angle, which is also not good for the piece of artwork. Experts don't believe that the statue is in any immediate danger of falling over, but a strong earthquake could potentially topple the Marble King and break it. Well, that's what you're about to hear that happened at Forest Lawn six different times. Let's listen finally to this guy, Richard Fowler, number nine. To find out how dangerous cracks could be in the statue's longevity, experts are constructing replicas of David's ankles and exposing them to various degrees of pressure. Now, the National Research Council warned in a statement that microfractures are visible in the left ankle and the carved tree stump that bears some of David's weight, threatening the stability of the sculpture. The cracks have been known by experts for some time, and they were first detected around 1850, Nowadays, they are more extensive than they were back then. If you go on Twitter, at Dr. Robert Clapper, you'll see a photograph of the replica David in pieces at the Forest Lawn Cemetery after this most recent earthquake, and it toppled and was destroyed. What's fascinating to me is some alumnus from Cal State Fullerton heard about this earthquake damaging the David replica and called Forrest Lawn and said, you know what? It's such a beautiful sculpture. We should have it as a sculpture at Cal State Fullerton. I'll assemble the pieces on the ground 
and we'll call this sculpture the fallen David. Can you imagine? So here this young lady goes and visits Cal State Fullerton to see the fallen David, <laughs> the sculpture that fell over because of the breaking point, just like the Jones fracture, just like Mariano Rivera's cutter pitch breaking bats. Let's listen to number one. So basically on October 1st, 1987, at 7.42 a.m., a 5.9 magnitude earthquake rocked Whittier, called the Whittier Narrows quake, caused $358 million in damage, killed eight people, destroyed 123 homes, and 1,347 apartments. And you hear footsteps because she's literally with a camera walking to see the fallen David collected the pieces at Cal State Fullerton. I can't wait to go. I don't even know where Fullerton is. I can't wait to go visit the campus to see this sculpture. Number two. Basically, this statue used to be at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Cyprus. But when that earthquake happened, this uh, David fell to the ground. Fortunately, it was on grass, so he didn't shatter to bits. He just broke in pieces. And he's a replica of Michelangelo's David statue. Forest Lawn has had six of these replicas. Every one of them has broken when they're made of marble because of that breaking point right above the ankle because that's where it's fixed to the main pedestal. Number three. He called Forest Lawn saying he was interested in acquiring the pieces for Cal State Fullerton. Apparently there were other people also interested in this statue says he felt he might only have a long shot he was up against 20 to 30 other institutions in Southern California trying to get the statue but his idea won out <laughs> and number four he called Forest Lawn saying he was interested in acquiring the pieces for Cal State Fullerton apparently there were other people also interested in this statue says he felt he might only have a long shot he was up against 20 to 30 other institutions in Southern California trying to get the statue but his idea won out and number five Apparently the statue did stand for 20 years in the Cypress Forest Lawn Cemetery from 1967 to obviously 1987 when the earthquake happened. It was carved in Florence, Italy from, excuse my, I uh, don't know how to pronounce, Carrara marble. The same marble from the same quarry the Michelangelo's David came from, more than 400 years apart. I'm a marble sculptor, and if you listen to the show long enough, you know that. It's very important to anchor pieces of the sculpture that'll be flying out by anchoring it. In, the, in this case of the David, Michelangelo made sure he sculpted a tree stump at the base of the sculpture to anchor the sculpture. You got to, otherwise things will break. The Baroque sculptor Bernini, probably the greatest sculpture ever made is called Apollo and Daphne, it's in the Borghese Palace in Rome. That's a bucket list for you, you gotta visit that one day. The legend, the Greek legend is, as Apollo is touching his lover Daphne, which he was not supposed to do, the curse is she will turn into a tree. This sculpture will blow your mind as you see her finger, he's touching her, which he's not supposed to do in the sculpture, and you see her fingertips turning into a leaf, her toes turning into the roots of the tree. She's turning into a tree, 
before our eyes. This is 400 years ago. There's no power tools. There's nothing. He's able to make the marble so thin that you cannot even clean this sculpture. If you touch it, you will break one of those delicate little fingertips that looks like a leaf off. A sculptor must make sure pieces of the stone are well anchored. If not, they will snap. They'll snap like a bat meeting one of Mariano Rivera's cutter pitches as it swoops in. Wait till you hear this story. Coming up next, we'll get into the breaking point, the Jones fracture of your foot fracture that ended Kevin Durant's career for a while. The whole idea of that grip causing the breaking point in sports, the cutter pitch, Mariano Rivera. Coming up next, the number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. My mother is felling in heaven right now when you say that. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm Belly Slater. Thank you. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles neighbor. Oh, I was listening to him yesterday. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's the great Eric Clapton. The album is Journeyman. The song is called Breaking Point. Nothing sets the tone in the operating room for me to work like Eric Clapton and his guitar and his voice. Love that song. And I have to talk to you about my mom because every year my wife and I sponsor an award for nursing. It's been 17 years now. The Lillian Clapper Award for Orthopedic Nursing. And this year, because of COVID, rather than assembling in the big auditorium, the nurses at the hospital at Cedars asked me to go and give the, the award, the scholarship check that I write, that my wife and I sponsor to the recipient Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I operate. Wednesday, before my surgeries, I met the nurses on the floor, the orthopedic floor, and surprised Kelsey Truth with her, with her check and her Lillian Clapper Award. It allows me to talk about my mom in front of all the nurses on the floor every year. And uh, I could barely hold my voice together. But to meet a young nurse starting out in their career. My mom was a nurse for 61 years. Can you imagine? But to find each year someone who exemplifies the caring, the nurturing that a great nurse does, it's a really special time for me. And that was this week. So congratulations, Kelsey. You deserve it. The hell yeah. Let's get into the breaking point, the Jones fracture that we're going to talk to Max Mahalski a foot and ankle expert who's now at Cedar sinai He's my guest at 8.15. This fracture in the foot that is really the plague for basketball players. So many of them have broken their foot in this spot because of the way the stress of the foot picks on this particular spot of this particular bone on the pinky side of your foot, right in the mid portion of your foot. If your arch is the big toe side of your foot, 
we're talking about a fracture of a bone on the opposite side of the outer side of your foot. Right there is where the snap occurs. It's a breaking point. Well, where in sports do you see that fracture? This pitch is called the cutter. Nobody did it better than Mariano Rivera, the Yankees. 17 years he was in the league. What a treat to listen to Vince Scully calling a game the one and only time Mariano Rivera and the Yankees came to Dodger Stadium. And Vince Scully is quelling, that's the Yiddish term, for overjoy that he's calling a game where Mariano Rivera has entered with his cutter pitch. But you're going to hear Vince Scully talking about Mariano retiring and using the 44 bats he broke because of this cutter pitch in 2001 to make a rocking chair as a retirement gift from Major League Baseball to Rivera. He, poor, he grew up dirt poor, the son of a sardine fisherman in Panama, but holding up the nets to dry them out after fishing with his dad growing up stretched his fingers to the point that he could hold a baseball and hold all four seams at the same time when he threw that pitch. The players knew that pitch was coming and they still couldn't do a damn thing about it. Let's listen to number one. Mariano, 6'2", 190. He's had 19 years in the big leagues. He has 641 saves. He's been a closer since 1997. He certainly helped the Yankees win four World Series in five years. This year, Rivera, even at his tender age, has a brilliant earned run average of 1.64. But what is it that made him so successful? It was one pitch and one pitch only. It was the only pitch he would throw. And it was called the cutter. Number two. The cutter, which is a fastball that breaks. They say that his cutter breaks about eight inches. It's a remarkable pitch. Basically, it's the only pitch he throws now. And even though they know it's coming, they can't handle it. Because it hits the bat between the barrel and the grip of the batter. Right at that breaking point. Right at Michelangelo's David's ankles. Right at the, meta, the fifth metatarsal in your foot, the Jones fracture. Number three. The New York Times did a study years ago, and they said in 2001, Mariano Rivera broke 44 bats. So with that in mind, when he made his farewell appearance in Minnesota, they presented him with a rocking chair made up of broken bats. In 1999 in the World Series, Ryan Klesko, a single at bat against Mariano Rivera, broke three bats in a row. One player, one at bat. Can you imagine? It's the breaking bat pitch. Actually, I think they call it the buzzsaw uh, pitch. Let's listen to players, the most successful batter, against Mariano Rivera was the Red Sox David Ortiz, better known as Big Poppy. 
Here he's being interviewed on Fox Sports by Alex Rodriguez. Keith Hernandez from the Mets is there as well. Because they know what it was like to stand there at the plate and watch this ball drop eight inches and come right at that spot on the bat right above your hand. Alex Rodriguez says to David Ortiz, you were the most successful at hitting the cutter. How did you do it? How did you not break your bat? And David Ortiz explains the way he stood in the batter's box. He got to the pitch before it would drop to that location on his bat so it didn't break his bat. He got to it before it really dropped. Let's listen to number four. I marveled at you're the only guy that I saw have tremendous at-bats against Mariano Rivera. I've never seen a left-hander. I've seen some righties, but never a left-hander to a point almost dominate. And it was, you were in our heads, you were in his head. What made you so successful when the ball came here at 94 and just went in? I love it. This is David Ortiz trying to explain that it was not fun facing. You may say I was good at it, but it wasn't good for me either. It was scary to be up there against that cutter pitch of Mariano Rivera, that ball coming right at you to break your bat. Number five. Well, two things. It was not fun facing Mariano. I don't care how successful you got to be against him. Facing Mariano, it was not fun. But I, I have one weapon that I know it was on, on my favor. I never, like, I try to keep my hands so close to my body mm. every swing I take. That's good. And I know that I can get inside the ball because of, because of it. Mm-hmm. So when I was facing Mariano, I would do two things. Just like Michelangelo, better than those sculptors that tried to replicate the David, he anchored the real David much better to the carved tree stump that he carved. Just like David Ortiz holding his hands closer to his body. That's how you fight the Jones fracture. You modify your stance. You modify what you're doing. Number six. I would move forward a little wow. bit and I would open up this leg more than normal. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's an adjustment. That's yeah. interesting. Uh-huh. So anything that I see coming from him that was coming outside, I know it was going to come back to the middle of the plate. I know that for a fact because I know he had one pitch Mariano, at some point, he, he, he tried something different, and he, he was giving it up for a minute. And I'm talking about later in his career, yeah. but he, he, one day he wake up and he went like, screw this. I'm going to go back to what I am. <laughs> his bread and butter. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so you got to do something, otherwise your bat's going to break. Number seven. I would just move forward in the ball. I know I got quick hands. I know I keep my hands tied to my body. So I would move forward, and I would try to catch up on the cutter before he Start jing, 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 coming in, don't you? Mm-hmm. you know? but he was a really smart pitcher. Did you, did you <clears throat> figure out that he was trying to go more back door with you? No. Mariano, Mariano, by mistake, he would go back door on me. Okay. Not really. I, I, I remember hitting, uh, having a couple of hits that way of Mariano uh, on, on, on the back door corner. And when he realized that I basically know what the, the action coming from the back door corner was going to be, and then he went like, uh-uh, okay. I'm going to try to get him out right here because this is my bread and butter right here now you're going to hear frank thomas the big hurt he's a right-handed batter he's basically going to tell you i don't care where you were standing as a right-handed batter 
he had no success with Mariano Rivera because that ball was like a heat-seeking missile to break your back. Number eight. I was going to say, as a right-hander, he was the only pitcher that I ever faced that I don't care if you come here, or you come here, or you come here. He could throw that pitch right at your front leg and bring it back. Oh, man, I saw that I've so never seen anything times. like it in my oh, life. Front door, yeah? Front door, yeah, any kind of way. I don't care if you're here, here, or there. He's the only Amazing. pitcher I know that can elevate a cutter. Hmm. He sure can. He will get me in two strikes, and he will mm. try to throw that cutter starting right here, and boom, finishing right here. Like nobody I have ever seen, yeah. ever. So I want to listen, and I want you all to hear about the bat. It's like me taking you to the mountains of Carrara, where the marble comes from. It's like me taking you into the anatomy lab to see the foot, the foot fracture of the Jones fracture. Let's go with Jock Peterson of the Dodgers to the Louisville Slugger. That's the bat. That's the wooden bat. Jock Peterson and many Major League Baseball players, they visit the factory to understand the shape, the grip of the bat, the handle of the bat, the sweet spot of the bat. You can make that piece of wood, that solid ash, it's because of its long grain. This is what's breaking because of that cutter pitch. I think we'll take a break. We'll pay some bills coming back. We'll get into it, and I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. From now on, I am not Robert Clapper. I want you to call me Smokey. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Dr. Smokey Clapper. That's the greatest. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. We're talking about the breaking point. In surgery, it's called a Jones fracture. It's a fracture of the foot. Kevin Durant needed three surgeries on that fracture. Pau Gasol, the Lopez brothers, and many, many other basketball players. We usually put a screw up the center of that bone to fix it. Sometimes we can get away with just a boot. I always try that first. But it's a difficult fracture to fix. And it breaks for an anatomic reason. Because of the grip of the ligaments in the mid-portion of your foot. Breaking point in art. And in sports, Mariano Rivera's cutter pitch. I just love it. I, probably, I bet you're all wondering, how could he connect the dots with art, sports, and surgery? Well, we just did. After six surgeries yesterday, you've listened to this show long enough, you know I love candy bars. Yesterday, I had, hands down, the greatest candy bar after my sixth surgery, the present that I give myself. I had the best damn candy bar I've ever had in my life. Oh, my God. Wait till I tell you what I discovered. They put almonds in this candy bar. I've never had it before. Oh, cost me $2.25 because there's two of them in the package. Hands down the greatest candy bar. I think this could become a tradition. After surgery, a big day, 12-hour day in surgery, I'm going to look forward to sitting down close my eyes and put this candy bar in my mouth. 
I'll give you a hint. It involves chocolate and almonds and something a little extra, some caramel. I'll tell you what kind of candy bar this was a little bit later in the show. Right now, let's take some calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to Pedro and Inglewood. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, Dr. Clapper. Good morning, Pedro. How young are you and what do you do for a living? I'm 36 years old and actually right now I'm unemployed. What did you do? Uh, I was working for AAA and also Amazon. How the hell can you be unemployed from Amazon? They're taking over the world. Uh, well, that's the reason I'm giving you a call. Uh, like five months ago, I got an operation on my knee, my ACL oh. meniscus. Okay. All right. Let me see if I can help you. By the way, where'd you grow up and what did your dad do for a living? Uh, well, I always grew up in the South Bay area and my dad has always been a driver for like different bus companies and stuff. Did he retire? Is he still alive? Uh, he's still alive. He's still working. He's still working. Good for him. Nice. What high school did you go to? Westchester and Losinger High School. Did you play sports in high school? Uh, I played one year of uh, soccer in Westchester. Nice. So you're a soccer fan. Good for you. All right, young man. How can I help you? What's up? Uh, well, I just recently got my meniscus and ACLs repaired on May, in the beginning mm -hmm. of May. I've uh, been doing my therapy, everything. Um, my therapist was really surprised that I was, you know, very going very uh, speedy on my recovery mm -hmm. and things like that. But I, I'm starting to have a pain from, like, the back of my knee to my mm -hmm. lower back. Uh, I do all the exercise. I do my routine every day, do it, like, twice up to three times a day sometimes. But for some reason, it's starting to have, like, a pain. Like, when I wake up in the morning or if I sit down for a little bit, from my lower back to my knee were like in the back of my knee. I don't know. I, don't, I asked them if they knew anything about that. And they told me that I had to go back and go see my doctor for my lower back to see if it's not a different problem. Is there any way that could be possible that could be connected? It's a good question, Pedro. I got a question for you. How did they fix your ACL? Did they use your own body parts or did they use a cadaver? Did they use a hamstring? Did they use your patella tendon? Tell me what they did for the new ligament. Uh, they actually use my own um, my own tendon. Your own patella tendon? Yes. Okay, so I'm already happy for you, Pedro, because that's the gold standard. That's my favorite way to fix it. You don't have to worry that your body's rejecting it. It came from you. You're just rearranging the furniture in your knee by using a tendon, which ultimately, after about nine months, will become a ligament. So I'm already happy for you. Um, the fact that, do you have any numbness or tingling down your leg? I still have a little bit of numbness in the front of my sh my shin, mm -hmm. on my foot. But, but that could be uh, related to the surgery on the knee. You don't have any tingling into your toes? Uh, no. Okay. So I suspect before everybody gets hysterical saying that you got a herniated disc causing your back pain, the fact that you don't really have classic sciatica of the pain radiating below your knee into your toes you know, listen, you could. Getting an MRI of your lower back is a good way to investigate that. And listen, you pay a lot of money for health insurance. This broken medical system keeps us from getting tests, which is ridiculous. You should have an MRI of your lower back. It will put this whole issue to bed. But most likely, it is because the mechanics of how you are walking is um, being overloaded. For example, when you sit down, you're sitting on your butt. That's your gluteus maximus. Deeper to your gluteus maximus 
is the famous hamstrings, okay? Those are the muscles yeah. that counteract the muscles in the front of your knee, which are your quadriceps muscles. And it's kind of, here's a clap. You listen to the show, you know what clapper vision is? I do, sir. All right, David, I love that. Um, oh, Pedro, sorry. <laughs> I'm talking about Michelangelo's David, so everybody's going to be David today. Oh, Pedro. So the, the world of muscles is like going to a park where there's a seesaw for the kids. You know how one kid sits on one side of the seesaw, the other kid sits on the other side, and they go up and down. Two kids, roughly the same age, roughly the same build. It's called the agonist and antagonist. They both balance each other out, just like those two kids on the seesaw. Well, what if, remember Bill Cosby used to have Fat Albert? What if Fat Albert shows up at the park? He's 10 years old, but he's enormous. And he decides to sit on the seesaw. And there's a kid of normal size on the other end of the seesaw. Guess what? You're going to not have a beautiful balance of one kid letting the other kid go up. Albert's going to sit there. And the other kid's never going to see the ground. The reality <laughs> is, is when you are dealing with the knee, particularly rehab after surgery, it's very important for the therapy to involve agonist as well as antagonist. As much as they focus on rehabbing because they harvested the tendon from your quadriceps, the lower end of the quadriceps, the patella tendon, they need to bring back to life the other side of the seesaw, the hamstring, the muscles that actually help flex your knee. And with this imbalance, you're gonna feel it in your lower back because guess where the hamstring attaches to? It attaches to that bone that you're sitting on, the ischial tuberosity, and that actually is the base of the pelvis connection to the lower back. So okay. my advice is, number one, to put this to bed, you get an MRI of your lower back, make them do it. And if they say, I'm sorry, you need a second opinion, you know what you're gonna tell them, Pedro? You're gonna tell them you got a second opinion from who? From Dr. Clapper from the radio you're gonna get an MRI of your lower back so that you can put it to bed. And at the same time, I would strongly recommend getting a second opinion for your physical therapy. You need someone to really focus on and understand the agonist and antagonist. Where do you live, uh, Pedro? Um, Englewood. There's a terrific physical therapist in El Segundo, not that far with a car, from Inglewood, and I'm from New York, so to me, everything you get on the 10, then you can get to everything. But I don't think it's that far of a drive to go from Inglewood to El Segundo. There's a great physical therapy group in, in, in uh, El Segundo called Davis and DeRosa. I love these guys, Troy Davis. You make a visit to those guys. They will help you and get your hamstring and your quadricep back in balance. But the first thing you need to do is to investigate your spine, make sure your back has no issues whatsoever. And I am more than happy to help you once you get that MRI, Pedro. You're more than welcome to call here. We'll push all the other callers out of the way, and I'll go over the MRI result with you with Clapper Vision so you can read it for me, okay? That'd be great, doctor. All right, Pedro, listen, you're a total stranger. I never met you before, and I just helped you, and I'm gonna help you. The way you can help me and thank me is you find a total stranger today yourself. You help them. That's how you'll be thanking me, okay? Thank you, doctor. And my wife loved you and little wife of uh, L.A.? 
Oh, the little the people. She, she, she <laughs> wanted yeah, that was fun. I, I always talked about you because actually I had an appointment, but I had an, an uh, insurance. Um, they, they changed my insurance when I was going to go to you to go get my knee done. So I had to go to another another hospital and stuff like that. So oh, what a man. What a broken system, I, huh? But I'm more than happy I, I, to be in your life, Pedro, to help you. Even though I didn't do the <laughs> surgery, you got me in your back pocket like all the weekend warriors. You need help, I'm happy to help you. And don't ever let them put cortisone or any needle Never. in your knee or in your back okay. for that matter. Be holistic. Right. Get the book I right. wrote, Heal Your Knees. That will help you with the exercises as well. Thank you. Thank all right, you. God bless you, Pedro. All right, warriors, we'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. Coming back, I want to talk about Jock Peterson and the Dodgers visiting the Louisville Slugger where they make the wooden bats that break because of the cutter pitch snapping them at that point where the grip of the handle goes to the main portion of the bat that key area snaps in the cutter pitch thrown by mariano rivera it's a jones fracture in a bat in baseball we'll get into it coming up next on the weekend warriors show here on 710 espn you're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. Don't they ask the law? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Yo, Tango, un lapis amarillo. Thank you. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Breaking up is hard to do. Actually, it's very easy to do if you're facing Mariano Rivera with that cutter pitch. It's very easy to do if you're a sculptor trying to be like Michelangelo, except you're not Michelangelo. And you tell Forrest Lawn you're going to make a replica of Michelangelo's David. But you ain't making it exactly like the master. Because six of them has, have snapped at the ankles at the Cypress and Glendale Forest Lawn Cemetery after every earthquake. Whittier earthquake, Silmar earthquake, Northridge earthquake, and even, I think, in January of this past year, another one of the Davids broke. You go on Twitter, at Dr. Robert Clapper, you'll see a picture of that broken David. It's that cutter pitch. Many of the baseball pitchers have learned how to do that four, the four-seam fastball, that their fingers can spread so wide they can touch all four seams. And when they throw that fastball with their fingers in that position, that ball will drop. Drop like a curveball, like a breaking ball, except it's coming at you at 94 miles an hour. The case of Mariano Rivera, that ball dropped eight inches it would always hit you right above your hands holding the bat and snap. Mariano Rivera broke 44 bats in the 2001 season. What about shaping the bat? The material itself. How to shape the handle, how to shape the barrel of the bat. They use a computer actually. It's kind of like making a key. You know, when you need a new key, you go to get a key made. You need the old key, and that machine uses the old key as a model to shape the new key. Well, the computer does the same thing. 
it generates an image. How much grip area do you need? How wide should the grip of your bat be? Whether you're Jock Peterson or you're Matt Kemp, these baseball players have different size hands. They use different size grips. They like the handle a certain way. They like the barrel of the bat a certain way. They like the length of the bat a certain way, the weight of the bat. All of these variables make their bats unique. Well, the best bat company is the Louisville Slugger. And they actually have a vault where they have over 4,000 bats from people like Ted Williams to not only Jock Peterson, but Jock Peterson's father was a baseball player. They even have his bat in the vault. Every bat they've ever made, 4,000 different shaped ones for different players. One day, Jock Peterson of the Dodgers decided to visit the Louisville Slugger factory to see firsthand how to make that bat perfect. Let's go to number nine. Get that smell of wood? Yeah. <laughs> so these are the billets? Yeah, these are the billets. These are ash. You can yeah. tell by the long grain. Some of these might very well end up being your bats. When I first walked in the factory, it was, uh, it was cool. You know, they had them drying out. They had the different densities. They already had it like weighed out for like what billet would go for each model. The billet is the name of the bat, which looks like a tree trunk. Number 10. We always love it when uh, Major League players come visit us at Louisville Slugger. It gives us an opportunity to show them exactly how we make their bats. Uh, they're usually very surprised at all of the hands-on uh, action that it takes to create a Major League player's bat. So this uh, is where we turn your bats. This is the CNC lathe, computer and American control lathe. It takes it about 30 to 40 seconds to turn this billet, which is 37 inches long and three inches in diameter, into the shape of your bat. And every player's bat is different. The computer, like a key maker, makes it uniquely based on what the player puts in the computer. Surfers do this as well with the foam. Now they'll use a computer to shape it. Way back when, Duke Hanamoku used just a, a blade of a saw and carved it. When he visited Australia in 1914, they all gathered around him and watched the Hawaiian bring those blades from Hawaii and shape in front of them a redwood board. It blew their minds. The very first person to surf in Australia was Duke Hanamoku. Believe it or not, they still have that board that he made all by hand. Now, you use a computer to tell the foam what it is that you want. Well, Louisville uses a computer to take the billet, the tree trunk, and spin it, and with that lathe, fashion the exact bat that that player wants. But it depends on the density of the wood, the grain of the wood itself. And that's the difference between some of them snapping the bat and some of them not. Let's go to number 12. All right, Jock, next stop is the vault, uh, which really, for us, is like Fort Knox. Uh, it's where we keep the over 4,000 turning models that we've made uh, in our 134-year history. Are these all the bats ever made? So these were either actual game-used, approved bats that the players used, or a model that they made that they had their hands on and 
uh, they approved that this is the one that they wanted them to use uh, to make their particular bat. Jock Peterson's like a kid in a candy store, literally, because now he's in a room with 4,000 bats, 134 years old, some of them, of different shapes, getting inspiration. Maybe I want my bat to have a wider handle. Maybe I want my bat to be a little longer. He gets to pick up each and every one of these bats that people like Babe Ruth used. Let's go to number five. Uh, I'm sorry, 13. So the vault was probably hands down my favorite part just because they had everything you could think of, any model that anyone's ever thought of in that room. And it was, uh, it was incredible. Are there stuff in these or are uh, these actual bats? These are actual bats. Jock reminds me of the stories that I've heard about Ted Williams. Uh, Ted Williams used to come to the Louisville Slugger Bat Factory uh, many times during his career, and he was always looking for a way uh, to understand better how the bats were made and find uh, anything that at all could give him a little bit of an edge. And Jock, he was basically doing some research and development in our bat vault today. He was uh, looking at all those 4,000 plus different models that we've made throughout our history and trying to find different barrels that he liked, different types of handles and knobs that he liked. By the way, for those of you who don't know baseball, the reason they always mention Ted Williams is because that many consider him the greatest hitter of all time. He was the only player, the last player, to hit for 400. The only batter who ever came close was Tony Gwynn. And in my opinion, Mike Trout of the Angels will probably be the guy, if ever there's going to be one in our lifetime, to hit a season with 400. But that's why they always mention Ted Williams. It's an amazing feat to hit the, a ball in baseball with an average of 400. He's special, Ted Williams. But he was a student and a science of the game, kind of like Kobe Bryant in basketball. Let's go finally, number 14. When I hit my hand like on the top of the bat, I'm listening for the higher ping to see the density of the wood and some harder wood billets are saved for special models because to create the, the weight and the length of it, it needs to be more dense. Incredible. I just love the craftsmanship. Plus I love wood anyway because my dad was a carpenter. But the whole idea that you have wooden bats with a tradition that's 134 years old is what makes baseball so special. And it makes that pitch crack those bats because that heat-seeking missile called the cutter pitch gets that spot right above where that batter holds and grips the bat. And that's why they snap. We'll get into it more at 8.15 with my guest, Dr. Max Mahalski, talking about the bat snapping in your foot fifth metatarsal fracture called the Jones fracture. Coming up next, we'll tell some stories. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710-ESPN.